You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum, and we are here today to preview the Monday night football matchup between the New York football Giants and the red-hot Green Bay Packers. Chris, Giants won two in a row, went into a bye week. Green Bay Packers won three in a row after it seemed like their season was going to be lost. They currently hold the seventh seed. That's the wild card spot, the last wild card spot. Can the Giants play spoilers in this Monday Night Football matchup? Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. You know, rested, refreshed after a nice bye week off, not having to watch, not having to watch any football games, <laughs> but getting to, which it, it's a nice change. It's a little semantic change, but it's a nice change. It's, it's more than semantic, though, because there is a big difference personally speaking, watching the Giants and covering it and then just watching a football game to enjoy the beautiful sport of American football. But Chris, we have some storylines we got to dive into before we get into this matchup. The first one, the big one, the meat and potatoes, as the kids would say, is Tyrod Taylor is back. He's activated off of the injured reserves, 21 day window open. He is going to back up, though. Tommy DeVito, who Brian Dable said, earned the starting position and Tyrod Taylor was a little bit disappointed about that but Chris we haven't spoken in a little bit had to get your opinion on this situation how do you feel about this Giants coaching staff sticking with Tommy Cutlets I I think everything about the situation is understandable I think it is understandable that the coaching staff is sticking with Tommy DeVito they just won two games with him he has been practicing with the rest of the starters. He is the one who basically has been preparing for two weeks to face the Green Bay Packers. So all of that makes a ton of sense. It also kind of makes sense that Tyrod Taylor would be hurt, would, would be feeling some kind of way about not getting to be the starting quarterback, considering he has been the number two since last year you know he has been above tommy devito undrafted rookie free undrafted rookie on the depth chart so you could see where he he could feel like he should at least have a shot at being the starting quarterback but he hasn't really practiced he hasn't been preparing to face the packers and right now the giants just have some kind of chemistry brewing on offense with DeVito and the rest of the receivers, the blocking. Yeah. That it just makes sense to stick with DeVito, at least for the time being. Yeah. Dayball didn't commit to making DeVito the starter the rest of the way. And I think we'll just kind of have to play it week by week to see, just see how things are going. If, you know, if 
if the clock strikes midnight on Tommy DeVito on Monday Night Football, then I think we could see a change coming. Who would have had Tommy DeVito leading the Giants in a lot of passing metrics, specifically touchdown passes on their bingo card with comparable passing attempts? I think he has a little bit more than Tyrod Taylor, not as much as Daniel Jones, but he's going to have a test against the Packers defense. We'll get into that in a little bit, but I want to bring up Dexter Lawrence, Darren Waller, and Evan Neal, the other three Giants who are in the injury conversation. Darren Waller's still on the IR. I think he spoke to, I'm not sure if it was Dan Duggan, he spoke to somebody about the potentiality of him coming back. He said he's hoping to return after this week. So we're talking about next week against the New Orleans Saints. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens there. But Dexter Lawrence and Evan Neal, they were not practicing as of Wednesday. It seems like early rumblings are suggesting that Dexter Lawrence is going to be back for this game. It's not a certainty, but that's at least what the speculation is. Whereas Evan Neal, it doesn't sound good about him playing this week, and it doesn't even sound overly positive about him returning in the week after. So do you have a read on that situation, Chris? Yeah, I, I think with Lawrence, you know, we, it's a hamstring, and he is a big dude. We have seen, we saw what happened when Andrew Thomas tried to come back too quickly from the hamstring injury. We don't know how severe Dex's hamstring was. I mean, if I remember correctly, he finished the game with it so it it doesn't seem like it was quite as significant as Andrew Thomas's but like I said before he is a big explosively powerful dude and anytime he is playing full speed he's putting a lot of stress on those hamstrings on basically everything every part of his body just based on his sheer mass so I, I think the Giants are being cautious with him Right now, I, I would have it at a 50-50% chance that he plays, uh, but we'll find out more as the injury reports go on, because today, even though it's recording on Thursday, it's basically Wednesday, because, you know, Monday night game. So we'll find out more as the week unfolds. With Evan Neal, again, he is also a very large human being, and I get the feeling that this ankle injury is worse than they have let on. It is also, I believe, the second injury to that ankle in a very short period of time. You know, he had been trying to play through an ankle in a another ankle injury on the same ankle, and then you know he rolled it again, and you know, it seems like he just did more damage to it. And yeah, you know, that I know there are a lot of fans who are very frustrated with Evan Neal. I do wonder if the kind of consistent lower body injuries we've seen from him. He had the most of sprained MCL a year ago, and then he's basically had one leg <laughs> since about week five, week six or week five. So it, it's tough to be an offensive tackle when you can't shuffle, you can't kick slide, you can't, you can't move the way, you should be able to move. And I, I really think that has exacerbated a lot of his issues and also delayed a lot of his, uh, a lot of his progression and development out there. So I, I think this is another case of the giants just being careful and letting the kid get fully healthy before he comes back. It will be interesting to see if he comes back. Yeah. 
maybe next week against the Saints or you know two weeks against the Eagles. So that it, that I think is definitely going to bear watching, and you know we'll burn the uh, the offensive tackle versus offensive guard debate when we get there. But he's got to get back on the field first. My hope for Evan Neal, look, it's been a turbulent season. It's been a turbulent career. He allowed his frustrations to boil over and criticize the fan base by pulling a Jamie Lannister and then saying, why should lions concern themselves with the opinions of sheep and then call a bunch of people burger flippers? Like that is all a very ugly look. I understand why giant fans are very frustrated by Evan Neal, but my hope for this young man is that he is able to return in the coming weeks. He plays against the Eagles, a team that beat up on him, I think, three times. I think he was healthy for all three of those games last year. And he can just put solid tape out there at right tackle against Hassan Reddick, against Josh Sweat, against that vaunted defensive pass rush. And it will quell the the conversation that we're going to move Evan Neal to guard. That's my desire for this young man. Will we receive that? I don't know, because first he needs to get on the field and get healthy, and then he needs to perform to that level. How healthy is he when he does get on the field? There are a lot of question marks, but I think one of the more critical question marks heading into the offseason and the back end of this season is Evan Neal, and is Evan Neal your answer at right tackle? Because if he's not, and you missed on a top 10 pick, Chris, that's not a great look, man. No, no, it, it's actually kind of a terrible look, and it's the kind of thing that can really set a franchise back, particularly when the Giants could have had, and this isn't, this doesn't have anything to do with Joe Shane. It was a Dave Gettleman move, but they could have had Rashawn Slater back there if they hadn't traded out of that pick and wound up getting Kadarius Tony. You know, they Chris came on Thibodeau's line. Wasn't there, oh, ahead, sorry man. to cut you off, but wasn't there this linebacker that was in the draft? What was his name? They could have had too. Oh, yeah. Man, I can't remember. I, I, think he I was actually just Cowboys. going to say, <laughs> you know, Kayvon Thibodeau's <laughs> play has made missing out on Micah Parsons hurt less. But if the Giants could have had Rashawn Slater and Kayvon Thibodeau, that would, that would be, I would say markedly better than what they have on the field right now, at least as long as Evan Neal hasn't developed the way you would expect. Now, just to go off on a tangent, if he can, if he keeps the right tackle job next year and develops like everyone hopes he's able to and actually reaches the ceiling suggested by his measurables, what he put on tape at Alabama, then the script flips completely and Joe Shane's first first round was an absolute home run, but that's gotta that has to materialize first. Exactly. So before we actually get into the Packers team, I want to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All righty, Mr. Chris Flum. Let's get into this Packers team. And we could start on the defense, but we went over the Giants' injuries before the ad break. Packers got some heavy hitters that are injured that we have to get into as well. Jair Alexander on the defense is one of the better cornerbacks in the National Football League. And this is an individual who almost played in the last two games, but did not. Now, it's all the way until Monday, so it's early in the week. But I would have to say the Giants offense, I'm sure they're hoping that Jair Alexander is not out there because the guys they have back there, they're not big names. But I would say from the film I've seen, they've played well. But still, man, Alexander is one of the best corners in this league. So, I mean, (laughs) you got to hope that he's not out there if you're a Giants fan. Yeah, that I think would be – I think the Giants would much rather see uh, Corey Ballantyne or, you know, maybe – sorry, Rasul Douglas instead of Jair Alexander. Douglas Douglas isn't there anymore, but it's actually – yeah, so this is it was shocking to me. I was watching a Bills game recently, and I was like, "Is, is there another Razul Douglas?" I was like, "He was on the Packers in like week six. I was watching him on the Packers or like that area of the season, and they traded him actually at the trade deadline for like a fifth round pick or something, which is odd because Razul okay. Douglas has been a has been a key player for for that defense. But well, they have Corey Bout by my radar. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, it's all good. There were a lot of like little moves like that that didn't really capture the headlines. But Corey Ballantyne and then Carrington Ballantyne. So it's pretty funny. You know, you have the little rhymes. They have Robert Rochelle as well back there. It's a young secondary. From what I've seen from Valentine and Ballantyne, it, they've actually been like a, a solid secondary. But that's not the um, I wouldn't say that's what this defines this defense, right? Like what defines this defense? Their secondary is solid, but it's Kenny Clark. It's Preston Smith. It's Rashawn Gary. It's those three. It's the pass rush. It's what they can do up front. And now you have players like first round pick in 2022 out of Georgia, Devontae Wyatt starting to come along. They have like three or four rookies. I think they have four rookies for depth on the defensive line in edge rooms. Three of them play solid amount of snaps. Lucas Van Ness, first round pick out of 2023. Carl Brooks, sixth round pick out of Bowling Green in 2023. And then Colby Wooden out of Auburn. All three of them are rookies, so I didn't have to say 2023 redundant Nick Filato over (laughs) here. But Chris, it's a pretty solid defensive front. And I think the Giants up front, they've been playing a lot better than they were earlier in the season. But handling Kenny Clark and then those two starting edge rushers, Gary and Smith specifically, it's still going to be a big challenge for this unit. Yeah, it really is, particularly given that the Giants have kind of struggled, particularly against interior pressure. But when you can get two big, long, powerful edges like Preston Smith and Rashawn and Rashawn Gary, yeah, that's going to 
stress the Giants' tackles. Andrew Thomas can hold up. We we can be confident in that. But Tyree Phillips, you know, the Giants are probably going to have to give him some help. Is the help going to come from a tackle guard double team? Or are the Giants going to have uh, Daniel Bellinger help with a double team? Maybe have Saquon Barkley chip or stay back to block. What does that do for your double teams on the interior with Kenny Clark? And also, Devontae Wyatt, you know, he's kind of been forgotten about a little bit, but I loved him coming out. You know, he was kind of the the unsung member of that ridiculous Georgia defensive line, but him being unsung, he he still would have been the best player on almost any other team in college football. He's big, powerful, explosively athletic. Yeah, he is a guy I think you kind of have to watch out for, particularly if you're also watching out for those other three. Yeah, it is that third and fourth option with this Packers defensive line that worries me against the Giants offensive line, particularly considering Tommy DeVito has kind of held on to the ball a lot. Like he has taken a lot of sacks and a lot of them have been his fault. Yes, that's for certain. That's, I would say the biggest issue that Tommy DeVito has and why at this season, I mean, last year, I think he only had like 12 pressures. It was kind of a down year. And I, I have like Green Bay Packer friends who were suggesting that, man, this guy could be a bust. He has 30 pressures in three sacks this season. So he's playing really well in a, um, in a starting role. Cause this is a defense that runs three, four, as their base, they're in nickel quite often. A lot of um, two, four, five. They're in some dime because they have safeties like Jonathan Owens, Darnell Savage, and Rudy Ford, Anthony Johnson Jr. All four of those safeties are solid players who they want to get on the football field. Uh, Kayshawn Nixon is their nickel back who also plays a significant amount of snaps. But to focus a little bit more on the front seven, because uh, we've been talking a lot about the secondary, even though we just talked about. Kenny Clark, who I can't praise enough, Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness, and all these guys. Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell at linebacker. That's a fast, physical unit. Quay Walker, I think he's been kicked out of this is his second season. I think he's been kicked out of like two games, maybe three already. So he kind of has a hot temper. Maybe the Giants can bait him into some penalties. But those guys can cover. They're good coverage linebackers. And I I really want to see Daniel Bellinger involved in this game plan a little bit more. It might be difficult to to create separation against a Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell, but I still think um, I, I still want at least Bellinger to be an asset to this offense, specifically around the line of scrimmage and in the red zone where he can, you know, fake a block chip and then release and get away from these two athletic players. Isaiah McDuffie to the third linebacker they have anytime those two have been injured, he's filled in and has been admirable in their stead. So just kind of top to bottom when you're evaluating this defense and you're looking at their personnel, some of the players, they might not have these well-known names, but when you turn on the tape, they're pretty impressive. Yeah, and I I would just like to add to that, particularly with Quay Walker, I would not be surprised at all to see a fight in this game. It, it seems like the Giants have a fight in almost every single game this year, and if you have Quay Walker, you know, guy who, like you said, got a bit of a temper to him, he plays hard, plays fast, plays hot. Yeah, I, I could see one of the Giants mixers, one of those guys that 
always seems to have his uh, have his mouth moving after the play, kind of poking him, prodding Walker, getting him to get himself in trouble. And I'm calling the fight right now, Chris. I'm going to call ahead. it. All right, I have a I have a player in mind. Do you have a player in mind? Ooh, yeah. There are a couple who it's, it seems like they're they're always kind of involved. But who do you have? John Michael Schmitz. That that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah, man, he's yeah. got a, he's got a temper. I, I just think it's going to be like John Michael Schmitz gets up to the second level, blocks him. Quay Walker takes exception to the block. Whistle gets blown. They kind of both like hang on to each other for a little bit, and then Quay like pushes him. Or, and if he throws, him, I don't think he'll be. Uh, silly enough to throw a punch because he has been kicked out of like several. He's been kicked out of games for like, I don't want to say assaulting because that's way too <laughs> strong, but putting his hands on refs and, 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 and opposing coaches, like stuff like that, where it's like, bro, like you can't be doing that. Right. So it, it should be interesting. But my, my guess or my bet, I would say, would be uh, JMS. That it, I think that's probably a pretty fair bet. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. I don't see Bellinger really mixing it up with him that much, but one of the linemen certainly. So I think that kind of brings us over to the other side of the ball and the Packers offense, because you know that, that's something we have to talk about because it, th- their offense at the beginning of the year, it looked like they were really missing Aaron Rodgers, but then Jordan love over the last month five weeks or so has really come on oh he's been exceptional and jordan love i mean you watch the raiders game on monday night football through a pick to amik robertson to end that game and then he struggled for like three weeks after that but over the last three games he's been playing really well very instinctive i think it's coincided well with christian watson Christian Watson has returned. They developed a rapport, but now Christian Watson hurt his hamstring last game. Aaron Jones has not played in the last couple weeks, also missed a huge chunk of the season earlier. So those are two huge parts of what this offense wants to do with Aaron Jones and and uh, Christian Watson. That could be a means to how the Giants could possibly steal a victory is just this offense is out of sync. The Giants find a way to cover their other very talented young receivers and rookie Jaden Reed and second year player Romeo Dobbs. And then they just confuse and they pressure Jordan Love, which is really the MO, the modus operandi of Wink Martindale. Crowd the line of scrimmage, use simulated pressures, use creepers, send six or seven, use cover zero, and just get him off his spot now that he might be slightly uncomfortable without Christian Watson to rely on in a road game and without Aaron Jones back there if both of those guys miss the game, which is not a certainty right now. Yeah, that that Christian Watson injury is going to be, that might be key to the game and just keeping an eye on that because like you said, this is his second hamstring injury. And one thing we've been talking about just about every week is hamstrings are tricky. And Watson didn't seem too concerned about the injury after the game. But we have also seen where guys didn't think their hamstrings were hurt that bad. And then it turned out, you know, the next day, a couple days, they were hurt worse than they thought they were. So that'll just be something to keep track of. I would say Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, those are two very good receivers. You know, a lot of Giants fans love Keon Coleman out of Florida State. He'll be in the upcoming draft. 
he and Jaden Reed were teammates at Michigan State, and they are both very, very good receivers. You know, last year was considered a down year for wide receivers, but Jaden Reed was a guy I think we both liked a lot coming out. I I know I hoped the Giants would draft him. I'm very happy they got Jalen Hyatt, but Jaden Reed was just a very good all-around wide receiver, and I think the Giants' corners are going to have their hands full with these young receivers because the the Packers don't just have one guy. Now, obviously, Christian Watson is the big name, but Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, they also have Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, two young tight ends who get involved a fair amount in the passing game, especially Luke Musgrave. So that. Jordan Love has a lot of options out there to throw to, and he is also athletic enough that he can make the Giants' defense pay if they go man coverage like like Wink love, loves to do, and they turn their back on him. And even though Luke Musgrave is on the IR, the Packers also do have Tucker Craft, and he is he is stepping in. He is stepping up for them as another young option. And Jordan Love has really been willing to spread the ball around to all of these guys. And that that could give the Giants some problems, just given how much they love to rotate coverages if somebody just doesn't pick up their responsibility. The Packers have options to hurt them. And they have other options at wide receiver, too. And, and the one player that I wanted to highlight is Dontavian Wicks. Now, he only has 23 catches on the year, 373 yards and a touchdown. But every time he's out there, I feel like they're scheming plays up. And he's like the first read, which you don't see often for the fourth wide receiver on a roster, right? I think the team really likes him. This is a, a young rookie wide receiver. And uh, I think the 11 personnel package will be Dobbs, Reed, and then Wicks. They're going to mix in Malik Keith, and then you're going to have Tucker Craft because Musgrave is on IR and and um, the other tight end, Josiah DeGuar. I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game. He's been injured and he's missed the last couple of weeks, but we'll have to wait and see. But you're going to see a nice rotation of Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, and then um, Malik Heath. And I think the Packers are confident in that quad of of wide receivers, even though they're all young and none of them are really flashy in name, whereas Christian Watson might be the biggest flash guy that they have. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the practice reports yet, but hamstring injuries for a player like Watson, who missed a lot of time with a soft tissue injury earlier in the season, I'd be kind of surprised if he played. Yeah, same. And... Yeah, the thing that's that I'm going to be very curious about is how much Wink Martindale blitzes because Jordan Love has really stepped up against the blitz over this one month stretch where he's seems to be maturing into the player the Packers drafted him to be as a replacement for uh Aaron Rodgers. So we have seen the Giants have success when Wink Martindale doesn't blitz, which is kind of weird, but I think it's, it has a lot to do with the fact that teams expect the blitz, and so when it doesn't come, they don't quite know what to do. But Jordan Love, over the last month or so, he has looked pretty unbothered by pressure and pressure packages. Yeah, He loves to throw deep. He's got a big arm, and he loves to attack deep, and... 
we could see the Giants try to take that away, but we could also see them attempt to attack him. The, the only concern for me there is I watched him last week against the Chiefs and Spags was doing Spags things, but yeah. Love was kind of profoundly unbothered by the pressure that the Chiefs sent. And yeah, I, I think that went a long way towards that big upset victory. So according to Pro Football Focus, and this is definitely something the Giants, I think, need to pay attention to, not just because Pro Football Focus is saying it, but if these stats do ring true with the Wink Portendale coach defense, Jordan Love, on the entire season, even when he sucked and he was struggling, when blitzed, has six touchdowns, zero interceptions, 979 yards, a 6.5 yards per attempt average, which isn't huge, but... His big time throws are 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 pretty solid. Like when he is airing it down the field, a lot of these are one on one matchups. I'm just going off memory here. A lot of these are one on one matchups where he is just trusting his receiver to come down with it. But six and zero when when blitzed, and sixteen and ten when he's not blitzed, in terms of touchdown interception ratio, something to be said there, bro. Yeah, it kind of reminds me about the uh, reminds me of the Giants matchups against Dak Prescott, who is another quarterback who plays well against the blitz. I think partly because he trusts himself, he trusts his arm, he trusts his receivers, but he also reads the blitz and understands where the pressure is coming from pretty well. And if that is the case with Jordan Love, he could make the Giants pay because, you know, like we said, they've got those young options at wide receiver, at tight end. And if the Giants are taking players out of coverage, that could just create opportunities for explosive plays down the field, which is something the Packers might need because their running game just hasn't been good, particularly with Aaron Jones off the field. I think the Giants also, when they do decide to blitz you just got to disguise it well and have the hot receivers like have some contingency plan to take away certain hot receivers that's shading linebacker towards the nickel blitz because when he is under pressure he's six of four touchdown to interception ratio but his turnover worthy plays jump from 2.9% when blitz to 4.6%. It makes sense when you're under pressure. It just seems like maybe when he was blitzed and why his numbers look so good against the blitz is because he's he has that contingency plan. He knows where to go with the football. And I'm sure Matt LaFleur is doing a good job, you know, in his ear saying, you know, when they bring blitzes from this, like throughout the week and during film study, make sure you get the football out of your damn hands. But uh, one thing that was interesting, man, when he was blitzed too, and this might suggest, doesn't full out say, but it might suggest some of the throws are a little bit inaccurate. His receivers have 10 drops. This is kind of a lot of drops to have, like just when he is blitzed specifically. That's a 9.8% drop rate, which is higher than when he's kept clean or when he's under pressure or when he's not blitzed, according to Pro Football Focus. So maybe he's a little bit rattled and he's not putting the football exactly where it needs to be when he is blitzed. But that should be substantiated through film. Yeah, that, that's the thing that we'll, we will just have to see what happens in the game because we know the Giants are going to blitz. Wink Martindale is going to blitz. He's going to use man coverage. Yeah, you know, Deontay Banks, he's gonna have his he's gonna have his work cut out for him. And you know, maybe his length, his physicality will allow him to match up better on Reed or Dobbs or you know whoever the, the matchup happens to be there. Yeah, you know, it's 
this, I think, is a game that's going to be harder for the Giants, a lot harder than we thought it was going to be about a month ago. You know, I think about the time the Giants were, you know, going through their quarterback shuffle when, you know, Daniel Jones had his neck injury and then Tyrod comes on and then Tyrod has his rib injury and Daniel Jones comes back and then he leaves and everybody remembers what happened. Yeah. This was a game we looked at where, okay, the giants could maybe pick up a couple wins like they did against Washington and new England. And then they have their bye, and then they've got two more games against the Packers and the saints where they might be able to go on like a real four game winning streak and, you know, potentially make things quite interesting down the stretch. I'm not sure this is a game we can look at. And it's like, yeah, the giants are going to win this game. Yeah. It's, this is, I expect them to be competitive, but it's tough to look at a team that just barely beat the Patriots against a team that kind of beat down the chiefs and say, you know, th- this is a game we're going to win. <laughs> the only thing I guess you could suggest is, hey, maybe it's a letdown spot after winning a game against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, like a huge game, and now you're on the road and you're facing the the Giants, your six-and-a-half-point favorites. Maybe it's an upset spot. I'm cho- I chose the Packers They're in our tally site um, uh, rankings and everything. I think the Packers should win this game, but I would not be shocked if the Giants pull off the upset because – I think the Giants are not going to quit this year, man, which they shouldn't. But I think this is they're going to be prepared for this game. They're going to get up for this game. But the Packers right now are one of the hottest teams in the NFL with everything to lose, whereas the Giants don't really have much to gain. So I think it's going to be relatively competitive, but the Packers will find a way to win. But Chris, anything else before we get out of here? No, I just I have to agree. I think the Giants are going to be up for the game. I I don't expect them to embarrass themselves, which is. Yeah, that, that's an improvement Some. for a night game for them. That's an that's improvement, an improvement. For a primetime game. Dude, the Giants are so bad in primetime in the last like they, 20 primetime matchups. I think they, they have like what one or two wins. They have been. Yeah. Right now, I think just don't embarrass yourselves is kind of the bar they need to get over. And, you know, if the Giants lose, that does help their draft position. It also delays the Cowboys and the Eagles clinching their playoff berth. So there's at least a silver lining to be had. (laughs) I'm pretty certain that those two teams will be fine. But, you know, you never know. The world can be a crazy place. But thank you for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show. Everyone, please, if you have not done so already, like, subscribe to the podcast, and also head on over to BigBlueView.com where you can check out all of our written content. Thanks, everyone, and have a lovely day. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Call mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.